You're listening to the Brain Freeze Podcast. Each week, we break down health and wellness neuroscience principles so you can apply them easily and effortlessly to create a life you're proud of. Hello, everyone. Hope everyone had a great 4th of July. Independence Day, great holiday, um, and lots of fun times. Hope you had a great time. Today, we're going to talk about something that we, we talk about quite a lot, and it's because it's super important, and it's it's something that, as Brock and I talk more and more, it's, it's ultimately what holds us back from becoming who we want to become and accomplishing the things that we want, and that is our, our emotions. Um, our emotional world, our internal world is, there's a lot to unpack there, and we we hope to continue to unpack that as we go through these episodes. And I mean, I say this a lot, but I think it's just great to get some context. Cause there's a, there's a lot we talk about here. Like just take us through emotion. Just <laughs> another time. I'll, I'll probably ask this again in the future, but just take us through emotion a little bit, Brock and what it is. Yeah. So emotions are your present experience, usually manifesting themselves based on your past experiences. And usually it comes as things that we've learned throughout our life. And, you know, they can be happy. They can be sad. They can be uncomfortable. They can be comfortable. Usually can be tough to understand. And the reason that I picked this episode is, like you said, we talk about them all the time. But we don't actually talk about emotions in and of themselves. And honestly, there's very little exploration of those emotions. And so today what we want to dedicate this episode to is diving into the exploration of the emotions so you can learn to understand them, so you can learn to gain a relationship with them, and then you can learn to see through them and not always have them affect you so heavily. Um, we want you what we like to call emotional wisdom. And so that way you can learn to navigate this world and understand them for what they are and see what's controllable, what's not, and how to be able to continue forward in your life. I was just about to ask you, as as you were saying that, um, you know, why is emotion part of the human experience? And as as I kind of thought about it myself for a second, you know, you remember the, um, you know, the book and the movie Giver, where they all live in that the black and white world, and there's one person that's a giver, and he holds all of past experiences, all the wars that happened, but now they've created this utopia that's just bland, you know. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that movie I or that book? I have not seen that movie. Okay, that would be a great one for you to watch. But it's it's this world where everyone has a design, like a, a, uh, a given role. They go home. They're taking these pills every day that suppress emotion. Hmm. And then it comes to a point where this one kid starts to kind of venture out of that. Um, not only that, but he is given the role of a giver. And the giver it has all of the human experience like from past wars and everything life colored sound emotion and it, you know it's it's just a cool experience to see you know uh, why i believe that emotion is part of human experience is just it's what makes life what it is you know you can't feel joy without sadness you can't know what joy is without feeling misery and the difference and the impact the happiness that joy brings rather than misery right yeah, it's very true. Emotions add flavor to this world. And to think that, you know, some of them are good, some of them are bad, and we only want to deal with some, and we don't want to deal with others, and 
that there's always this expectation that we're supposed to be this happy, giddy, excited person all the time is a very unrealistic and perfect expectation we set on ourselves, which isn't something that's even possible. And so in understanding yourself and understanding your emotions, you can gain the wisdom to understand them for what they are. Because every single piece of you is beautiful. Every single piece. And that's important to understand is because a lot of times when we experience the more uncomfortable emotions, we want to deem them as bad and something that we don't want to experience. When in all reality, if understood correctly, you'll understand that they are there for your best interest and they are going to provide a lot of help and flavor to your life, like the movie. Because without them, you know, life just loses its touch and it doesn't, you won't see it in color with sound and vibrancy. It'll be, you know, bland and black and white, which is, is, a life that is not worth living. So, you know, what, you, what you've taught me is emotional. Our emotions and our emotional experience is a lot more physical than we might have, might have seen. And we might deem it as physical pain or physical problems, but really they're emotional problems. So talk to me a little bit about, like, what, what emotion does in the body. Okay. So what you're talking about is psychosomatic disorders, Right. It's where there's this pain in the body that's unexplainable by any type of doctor or medication or anything like that. It's difficult to pinpoint what it is, and that's called the psychosomatic. And the reason that that can become difficult is usually it's something in the mind that is causing you pain, and they're very real. They're not something to think that just because life is mental or that because it's in your head that it doesn't mean that it's not significant, okay? And so... When people say it's all in your head, realize that that is a very significant thing because everything in this life is in your head. <laughs> and so that's the first part of it is everything about that is real. And mental illness is real, mental disorders, everything, anxiety, depression, trauma, PTSD, you know, OCD, they're very real and there's, very, there's physical aspects to it and there's emotional aspects to it. And we want to help you know how to work with them both. Um, but it's something, something that's important to understand is the body is going to perceive an emotion much before the brain is able to actually consciously think about it. Like, for example, a lot of times when you're feeling anxious, you're not even going to consciously understand that you're anxious until you already are. And so mm. that's a very common experience for a lot of people. And the reason, the reason that happens is because 80% of the information that our body is taking in is coming up from the body up the brainstem and then into the brain, 20% of the information is going down. So the brain is then telling the orders of the body what to do. So 80% is coming up, 20% is going down. And the brainstem is the connection between the brain and all your lower extremities. And its main function is to, is to work with all automatic functions. And if you've listened to our past podcast, that's 95% of your behavior. So the brainstem is basically what's helping all of these automatic functions, which is your emotions, which is um, a lot of the perception-based um, experiences that we have. And so it's important to understand that 80% is going to come up, 20% is going to go down. Can I ask a question on that? So yes. So if, if 80% is going up, what do you... What are you saying that if we really want to work through emotions, it's more of a physical thing than a mental thing that we're working through because it's coming up, not down. So if we want to help our help our minds or like you're saying 80 what 80 percent of what information like our emotions, our experiences in our life. Yeah. 
So like, for example, for, for those of you that have been in sales for a really long time, 55% of what goes into a sale is body language. Nonverbal is 38%, and the words are actually only 7%. But for some reason, we all want to focus only on the words, right? Because we think that that's the most important, what important part is because that's what we're saying. But really, there's so much more that goes into it, and there's these cues of safety that our environment is consistently giving us. And so what's happening is you got to understand what's around you and how things are being interpreted, what the perception is, because your body is going to perceive it much more quickly than you're going to be able to actually think your way through it. Does that make sense? And so when you're looking at your environment, your brain and your body are looking for cues of safety. They're looking for smiles. They're looking for nice gestures. They're looking to see if anything could cause you harm, or if people are walking too close, if they're in your bubble, or any type of experiences that you've had that could create some anxiety or some stress to your, to your life. And so when you're looking at it, if you understand the perceptions that are going on around you, you can learn to create cues of safety for yourself and learn to help create an environment where you can be productive and strong because what it's also looking for where you would be safe if things did go wrong. And so to know where your body's going to retreat to is also an important part because it's going to be automatic when it happens without your consent or without you actually thinking it. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. I guess what, why, what is knowing that change for me? Like that, that's why I'm kind of having a hard time connecting what is why does knowing eighty percent of our information is going up and only twenty percent is going down? What what does that mean for me, or, or why does that help me? So it helps you because you're you're going to be able to understand that you're not going to consciously think your way into an emotion. Oh, okay. Like you're not just because you're noticing it's there, and a lot of times you don't notice that it's there. So understanding that is means that it's going to be there whether you like it or not, and there's a lot you're not going to be able to control. Got it. Okay. So you touched on this a little bit in the beginning, but you talked about how emotions are the body's interpretation of the present based on past experiences. Mm -hmm. We talked about this a lot, how a lot of our reactions, a lot of the things happen in life, they're, they're learned, they're patterns, they're not actual circumstances. One person in the same circumstance could feel, you know, hopeful, hopeful, controlled, you know, work through the anxiety. Another one could feel crippled by the anxiety. So, you know, Talk to me a little bit about that. Like what, so our emotional availability or, or how we're able to deal with our emotions are really more so of how we grew up in a lot of ways, right? Partly. So yes, yes, um, they do come a lot from where we grew up. Um, but the main word that I would say is learned experiences. So all emotions are perception-based, which means they're not factual and they're not the same for everybody around you. What makes you angry may not make me angry. What makes me happy may not make you happy. And that's important to understand because a lot of times we like to think because we feel a certain way that that's universally how that emotion is expressed. And that's not true. Emotions are, per are perception based and the way that they're going to be manifested is also going to be based on perception and how strong they are and the emotional charge that comes along with them is going to be based on your learned experiences throughout your life. And so a lot of times we like to think that these emotions that we have, yet although they are innate in our system, that everybody has emotions, that they're not inherent genes inside of us, that because our parents felt a certain way that we're going to feel a certain way. 
what happens is, is we're told these stories and we're told these realities from a young age and we also can learn them as we grow older. And they all have come from these stories and beliefs that we've created throughout our life that creates that emotional charge and how much they will affect us one way or the other. Or maybe even learning by, not example, but by ex- like you say that, you know, how these emotions express themselves aren't from our genes. But a lot of ways people could be like, well, yeah, but it's more so because they're seeing their parents react and express emotions in certain situations. So it's learned. It's not that they just, their parents naturally act that way. So now they're going to actually naturally act that way. It's just because that's what they're learning. Right. Yes. So, and I mean, something just to back up here that I always have to remember is like all emotions are a part of life and it's not changing the emotion that we're talking about. It's not changing. It's, it's, um, it's, it's more about basically coming to know those emotions and befriending them. Right. And being okay with them. But, it, but it's also being able to train how we respond because like you're saying, it's just, a, it's just a um, perception. And so if we can perceive it differently, then it might have a, a more positive effect rather than negative effect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But also understand that just because an emotion is, is uncomfortable or it has a negative effect on us doesn't mean that it's bad or something to be rejected or something to be avoided. That's, that's the important part is a lot of times we like to think between good or bad or comfortable or uncomfortable. And that's the part where we're going to get lost because all emotions are valuable in their natural form. They're very valuable. But what happens a lot of times is as we experience certain traumas or bad experiences or things that harmed us, a lot of times these emotions can then become distorted and they can actually get halted in time. And so they don't mature with us and they don't grow up. And these emotions then get stuck in our system and they don't evolve. They don't grow. And that can be a very, they can then grow these self-destructive behaviors because they're doing it in the name of safety and they're doing it in trying to protect you. But in all reality, you're in a safe situation. And that's where you want to understand them deeper is because in their form, in their purest form, every single emotion is beautiful. Every single emotion has its place, but a lot of times they're just very misunderstood and very, um, miscategorized. Like they're not organized in you. They don't feel like they have a place or they're understood or witnessed Mm. and they need a place to feel safe and witnessed and understood just like you do. And that's where, when we reject them, it causes a lot of friction. Well, this goes back to something that you and I have been talking about when going after who we want to be is if we really think about it, most of our bad decisions have been made out of emotion. And it's like you're saying, it's like this, the emotion of fear, the emotion of, you know, anger, this, the emotion of, you know, hurt, it, it gets stuck in a trauma. And so now, help me out and try if I'm right. Let's say, let's say I was bullied, you know, let's say I was bullied as a kid on the playground and that was hurt, you know, it was this ha- this hurt that festered up. And I despite, decided that the way I respond to that is I shut down. And main, mainly, you know, at that young of an age, that's my body just trying to keep me safe, right? I'm getting hurt. I'm feeling this. And it's like, how can we keep him safe? How can you keep him safe? Shut down, you know, maybe stop going to school, whatever that is, right? So that becomes programmed. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong at any point. But now 
let's say Hertz shows up in today's form. And let's say I'm relatively safe. You know, maybe say someone says a rude comment or, you know, whatever it is, I could react the same way that I did in elementary school now because it's that same feeling and my body's just like, okay, this is this is how this is the emotion. This is how we respond to it. Is that correct? Yeah. It, it's our body's present experience based on our past experiences. So every single emotion that you're feeling has been based on a past experience that you've had. And then it's our brain trying to connect the dots on how it will affect us. And, and so how it should respond. And how it should respond. And it's mostly automatic. Exactly. And so that's the danger here is that if what is programmed to be a, to the response, that is the problem here. It's not the emotion itself. It's the reaction. Yeah, and right? that's why it can be so difficult to bring us into the present experience and actually... We're okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because think about it. Like, how often have you been in the woods and you've actually listened to the birds chirping and the wind and the trees moving around you? Our brain is is looking for what it turns to focus on, which is usually, okay, I need to get to the top of the hill if you're running, or if you're biking, I want to go fast down, or if you're on a hike, you're just focused on the next step of the conversation, and and because. Even if we're in a room where a lot of people are talking around us, our brain can focus on just one conversation and mute out the rest because that's where it's learned. That's its behavior, and it can do the same thing with emotions, and then all of a sudden they can play a role to where they start to overwhelm us in an extreme form. And so the whole point is to learn how to ground ourselves in the present to where we can find peace. And peace is when what you do, what you think, and what you say are all in alignment which typically comes when you've been able to align yourself with the emotion rather than trying to deem it as something that's bad. Mm -hmm. Cause it's not that the emotion's bad. It's just, it's just stuck in the past. It's misunderstood. And if you're able to evolve it and grow with that emotion and it's something you accept into who you are today, it doesn't have to define the decisions you make. hundred percent. And it, and a massive part of this is your brain wants you to think that you're better than you actually are. And so what's going to happen is it doesn't want to deal with the emotion just as much as you don't want to deal with the emotion. And so what it's going to do is try to help you think that you're okay, that you don't care, that it doesn't matter, that it's not something to be dealt with. And then all of a sudden it adds up. And, and even when you take medications, like if you're taking a medication that is hormone, it's supplementing a different hormone inside of your body, what happens is, is it doesn't change that that emotion needs to express itself it moves it it transforms it into different where you can have a physical illness or you could have you you could lose parts of your personality it can be physical pain or you get a different mental illness which is very common because it doesn't want to experience it and so what happens is it transforms and moves it so that way you're not necessarily dealing with the root problem because it doesn't want to go there mm -hmm. and so it ends up making little things big things and now you have anxiety depression and it, it, it can have these maladaptive behaviors mm. did i did i talk about the story that i heard of that that woman that was a runner very active got in a water skiing accident do you remember me telling you about that mm -hmm. and how she you know she was told she would never run again like it broke it like tore apart her femur like it's a serious injury water skiing like lots of recovery getting back she could walk again but then at one point in her life her husband got laid off and decided he decided he was going to retire early 
and that anger she felt or like just disgust or just kind of this like like that's it like that's you're not gonna try anymore like it festered up so much that she started having the same pain in her leg right after her water skiing accident 20 years later Mm. and she went to all these you know chiropractor acupuncture you name it all these things right and then she finally met someone who worked through emotions. I can't remember exactly the, the title, but, you know, a lot of things that we work through with our clients and that pain went away in her body mm. after she worked through the anger with her husband and things like that and talked through that. Yeah, there's, stuck. there's tons of, of experiences like that. And that's what I'm talking about with those psychosomatic disorders is that we have this physical pain. But if it doesn't have an explanation or reason to it, then a lot of times there's something mentally that hasn't been dealt with. And it just gets transformed in our body into different areas, which can cause us a lot of frustration because we can spend a lot of time searching for the reason, but you're not getting to the root cause. And that can be really difficult. Like, let me ask you this. Why, why do you feel like when you're in an argument that people feel the need to yell, even though they're right next to each other? <laughs> to talk down the other person to show that they're in charge control i don't know so typically why would you yell it, it, outside oh, of an oh, argument yeah i mean yeah because Ty- for someone to hear you like because they're far away like you you gotta raise your voice yes and a lot of times when we're having an argument with somebody it's not that we're physically distant But what happens is our emotions feel distant. And so we feel the need to yell to be heard. All our emotions are looking for is connection. They're looking to feel trusted. They're looking to feel witnessed and understood. And that's the important part. Is when they decide to act up, it's our job to listen. And so a lot of times when there's anxiety, when there's these extreme powerful emotions... They need to be heard and witnessed. It's not because that we're physically far away, but emotionally we could be very distant. And that's where it can get really difficult. And so when we do that, when when they feel heard and accepted, our emotions, that's where we change the reaction to it. That's where we're able to be with them in the present rather than looking them in the past and deeming them as bad, deeming them as... I don't want to feel this way again. Da, da, da. Yeah, one, and the biggest thing that it requires is vulnerability. Because vulnerability equals connection. Okay? So what I'm meaning by that is how many times have you been in an argument with someone and you try to figure out and pinpoint who it was to blame that caused it? Yeah, plenty of times. And I think that's a very common experience. How often has that actually helped? It doesn't. Because usually it puts one person down and it brings another person up, which then causes resentment, which then causes distance in the relationship to where you feel very disconnected because neither one was really all that vulnerable. What happens is one got blamed, one didn't. And when there's blame, that distances that and breaks connection faster than anything else. And it will put you in a prison cell because then you're subject to that person until they decide to make it right. And so you end up in that never ending loop. When I'm talking about vulnerability, it's understanding that, hey, all of us are on the same team, even all of us inside of ourselves. We all have these parts to us, and we all have these emotions, and 
we all play a role. So looking at who's to blame for what happened is not going to be helpful. It's understanding that you got to be vulnerable with yourself and get to what's actually going to help solve the problem, what's actually going to create movement forward rather than getting stuck at who's to blame, who did what, why we're hurt, why we feel misunderstood, and try to figure out what they said that hurt our feelings. It's a part of you that's misunderstood and needs to feel loved and connected. Well, it's, remember, it's remind, remembering the end goal, right? You're on the same team. You're all striving for the same thing. Like argument with a business partner, you and I, or argument with, uh, you know, my wife. It's <laughs> We want the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So then you focus on the wrong part. You focus on the wrong thing and you get stuck there to the ego, <laughs> right? And so it's like I'm willing to let this pride down and – I think the same thing has to happen in ourselves, right? We have to let go of our pride, be vulnerable with ourselves. And, you know, that, that, that's hard because, like you said, these emotions are stuck in our body. Our, our, a lot of the emotions we're experiencing right now are stuck in past experiences, and our, our mind wants to keep them there. Wouldn't you agree with that? They want to keep them in the past experience because it's like, this is how we deal with it. This is how we stay safe. Mm-hmm. And this automatic. is what works. And, and that's the thought process. But the thing is, is like a lot of times they may have helped you when you were experiencing the difficult situation. Like the, bull, but, like the bullying. Exactly. But that does not mean that it's going to help you now. And that's where it gets tricky is because we create these beliefs. We create these stories that we believe is what our reality is and how it works. And then all of a sudden we start to create all of our decisions based on that. And they may be outdated. <laughs> And my, and this is how I understand my body might perceive me feeling hurt in the present the same way I felt hurt, maybe getting bullied in the past. 100%. And that's just an example. I'm not saying I was or anything, but it it could, it perceived it the same way. It could perceive it the same way. And most likely it would. And then that's why I react the same way. But so I, I was reading Will Smith's book and he brought up a very interesting point. So A lot of people could experience the very same trauma and react very differently. And this is important to understand as well because, like, so he grew up, and in the book he talks about his father. And his father was a very manipulative. He would beat the kids, and there was a lot of trauma in the household. He would beat the mother in front of the kids. And as he grew up, he was able to mend that relationship with his father. But he talked about it as a point in the book. There was a bunch of the different kids, and each one decided to react differently to in order to find peace. Like, for example— one of his brothers decided that the best thing that he could do was to fight back. And so he consistently fought with the dad all the time. And then he decided to leave at one point. Another one decided to avoid. She would stay out of the house for a really long time and she wouldn't come back because she knew that the house was unsafe. And so she would just naturally leave all the time. Will thought that being funny was going to be the saving grace of being in that family. And so he thought that if he could just be funny enough and that the family that he could keep the peace for everybody that his dad wouldn't get mad and come beat up the family. And and so it's interesting how we all could experience the very same thing and have very different reactions to it. And a lot of times we like to think that our reaction is fact and this is how it is for us, so this is how it is for everybody else, and it's not true. We all have a very different experience when it comes to different emotions. That's crazy. And it's like, why Why would, I mean, in your thought, why would people experience that differently? Like, they're of the same family. 
they're having the exact same thing. Like, why would Will go to funny when someone else would go to avoidance? His sister, like, why? Because it's perception. And perception is more important than the actual circumstances themselves. And a lot of times we like to get caught up in the circumstances rather than getting caught up in the perception. Mm. And a lot of people try to give logic to, to an illogical world. Emotions are not logical. They don't make sense. They don't always add up. And so a lot of times if you try to speak logic to, um, to an emotion, it, it doesn't make sense. And that's where it gets so hard is someone could be so riled up and so mad and angry. And then you try to be like, well, that didn't happen. And you didn't say this. And you said that, right? You're trying to speak logic. And they're just, ah, you know, so mad. You can't speak logic to an illogical world. It's not going to make sense. It, because you're, you're basing, you have to listen to the perception more so than the actual words themselves and the actual circumstances of what happened. So if I want to work through, let's say, my, bull, my emotions and bullying, let's say that's trauma, it'd be more so than, it'd be more so of looking at the perception of it and seeing how I saw it or how I heard it or how I, you know, felt it rather than what actually happened, what they actually said, things like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, for example, it seems like today's world, a lot of kids will go to therapy, right? Mm-hmm. First thing they learn about is like what we talked about last week, attachment theory. Basically, what usually happens is the kid ends up blaming the parents for everything that's happened in their life. But the thing is, is there was very little the parents could actually do about it unless the parents were actually doing actions that were going to traumatize the kid. I'm, and I'm excluding like beating the kids. I'm excluding where it, emotional abuse and where they're rape and, you know, the extreme like those cases. I'm excluding that. I'm talking about where a kid had a normal growing up, but maybe the parents got mad at them or yelled or screamed or had certain things like that. It can create an anxious attachment. So this is a different topic that I'm referring to. But a lot of times they want to blame the parents because this is the way that I am and this is how I react because this happened to me. And they give meaning to it, right? So they give meaning to the experiences that have happened to them as a kid and then they relate it to why it's happening to them now. When in all reality, it was their perception of the things that have happened to them as a little kid. And so it's not necessarily the parents' fault. It was how we perceived it. And so in order to do that, like when I'm working with a client, I'm going back and I'm helping them work through, even in the extreme cases where there is beating, where there is rape, I'm going back to those emotional experiences and helping them rewrite the perception of it. I'm helping them show themselves compassion and love and care and that they can work through it and giving and, and breathing life into the person into that little child who experienced a very hard thing because the perception said, hey, this was wrong, so you need to run, hide, and shut down. You're not worthy of this life. You're not worthy of these things that the world has to offer. That's not you. And that was the story that they began to tell themselves because of the trauma. Hmm. And so you go back into those experiences and you speak life into them and you tell them, hey, Although this happened to you, and although you're anxious and scared, you're going to be okay. You're strong. You are worthy of everything this life has to offer. 
you're growing and learning every day. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a here's a good example to show you how quickly perception can change. So, Brock, let's say I'm your boss, which I, you know, I'm pretty much am, right? <laughs> you know, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, let's say I come to you, you've been working for the company for about a year, and I say, hey, Brock, I'm going to give you a 10% raise. What do you think about that? I'd be stoked. You're stoked, right? Okay. Now, let's say, okay, you, your boss goes away. Now, let's say I'm a coworker, and I come out of the boss's office. So I go see the boss now. I'm a coworker, and I come to you. I'm like, dude, I'm so stoked. And you're like, why? I'm like, my boss just the boss just gave me a 15 percent raise, and you know, and we work in the same department, and we've been about the same year. Been yeah. on the same year. How do now you feel I'm, now? Now I'm sad. Why? Because but I didn't get the 15 percent. The 10 percent didn't change. Yeah. The what happened didn't change you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that and that's a very common thing. Is we can get stuck there because all of a sudden the 10% seemed like a great thing. And then all of a sudden it was a bad thing because we didn't get the 15%. And we're going to focus on that 5% rather than the 10% that we did get. And then being able to earn that extra 10, you know, 5, 10%. And, and that can be hard. Like I was listening to a story not too long ago about two kids who grew up with the same family, same parents, and they were in a poor community. Okay, one of these twins grew up and was very successful, made a lot of money and was able to achieve a lot of great things. Okay, another one stayed in his town, um, got a job, was working two different jobs and grinded his whole life. If you were to ask both of those kids why they ended up where they did, both of them would say, because of the family I came from, because of my circumstances. Now, these are twins. Same age, same family, same circumstances. These experiences are, come from our perceptions, and our emotions are very similar. And, and it's important to learn to understand them so they can work for you instead of against you. There's no need to try to reject them because they're all valuable and they're all a part of who we are. Let's dive into one of your favorite I think one of your favorite topics and one of your favorite movies that kind of displays this is internal family systems and right. And one of your favorite movies inside out. If you want to tell us a little bit about that and uh, let's, let's dive in unless you have anything else before we dive into the IFS. So yeah, IFS internal family systems. It's, it's not a huge common modality and I want you guys to, this is how I found the best way to connect with ourselves. The whole purpose of this therapy is to be able to connect with our internal world, is to connect with our emotions, okay? So when he's mentioning the movie Inside Out, it's a Disney show where there's emotions inside of the brain. You have joy, you have disgust, you have anger and sadness. And each of these emotions, when you're watching the movie, all have their own distinct personality type. And you can kind of see how they're all playing a role inside of our own brains. Okay, so inside of internal family systems, it's the exact same. And what they call these parts or these emotions inside of our brain are called parts. And we all have parts to us that are creating our personality and are creating our sense of self. And when I say sense of self, I'm not create. I'm not talking about us as a whole, like the body. I'm talking about our conscious thoughts as we're thinking and how we identify of who we are. 
And so a lot of these parts are there in order to protect this self. And they want to be there to help us grow and they want to be there to help us improve and to help us have the best experience possible here. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so like I'm talking about, each part that is in our system is very valuable in its purest form. But what happens is once we experience traumas, these parts can then become distorted and they can become stuck and frozen in time to where they don't mature with us because they don't get processed and they don't get organized. And so we have this buildup of energy within us. And so a lot of times when you're working with these parts, you have to understand them for what they are. But what happens is usually when there's trauma and we have and we start to reject these emotions, it causes us to have self-sabotaging behaviors where we're starting to self-sabotage our own thoughts, where we destruct, we, we basically hit the self-destruct button to where we don't even have our own best interest. And that's where we're going to get in arguments and we say things we don't mean. We do actions that we didn't want to. And we have these experiences that we didn't necessarily intend to have, but our emotions then caused us to have that behavior. Like for example, with Cam, you know, you want to go to the gym, but you can't get yourself to go to the gym and you have the good intention and you're thinking about wanting to go and you know what you'll do when you get there. But for some reason, you can't get yourself off the couch. Now, that would be a maladaptive behavior and you'd have, and you'd want to figure out why that would happen if it was consistent. Not if it was just one day, but if it was consistent over a long period of time. Along with that, it would also be like if you're in an argument and you can quickly go into fight or flight. And you have the and you're you're easy to blow up and be mad at people and say things you don't mean and then you have this calm down where you have high highs and low lows. That's another example of maladaptive behaviors that come from a misunderstood part. And so essentially it's like we go to war with ourselves. When they're beautiful and valuable in the first part, because they get stuck, because they get bottled up, it's now that those emotions go to war with one another. Yeah. Exactly. And go into hyperdrive or like, yeah, hyperdrive, just automatic. Exactly. Way. And the reason that these emotions can feel so bold and powerful and extreme is because that's how they're perceiving the situation. That's their reality. Because remember, each part has its own personality. And so their intention typically is to be the one that puts themselves out in front of you to take that bullet. Mm. They're the one that wants to be that person to save you. Because they have ego too. <laughs> exactly. And But the, the part that's difficult is, I mean, you look at it and it's, and it's valuable, right? Like that's a very courageous thing to do, to save you, to, to be the one to take the bullet. And if someone took a bullet from me, I would be eternally grateful and in their debt, right? And... That's the way your emotions are seeing the situation. And so, but a lot of times there's nobody with a gun. We're seeing the situation as unsafe when we are safe. And so what happens is they cause us to have these reactions and they cause us to feel a certain way that then have a self-destruct. That's an interesting way to put it. I mean, it just goes back to saying that a lot of emotions are stuck in the past and presenting themselves in the, the present. You know, taking a bullet when there's not a gun in front of you. Mm -hmm. And it's like whenever that emotion's triggered, it's like, it's ready. You know, it, 
blows up its chest, it gets in front of you, right? And it's like, let me just do the work here. You know, let's just let's just take this on. And most more likely than not, they're self-destructing behaviors. And, and the thing is, is when we're going towards our future self, when we're accomplishing things, like we are going to we are going to encounter different emotions or not, I shouldn't say different emotions, but emotions that in the past we thought of as, as unsafe because like w- when you strive after something like there's, you get uncomfortable, you know, there's a, like there's a challenge that comes with it. And so this is what we're talking about where what happens is that bullet, that emotion wants to jump in front and take the bullet for you. And what that usually means is self self-destructing behavior. Yeah. And so it's like, it's helping that emotion. So it doesn't, it doesn't do that. And that's ultimately allows you to move forward while actually feeling those emotions that did cause you destructive behavior in the past. Yeah. Well, and imagine this. Okay. Let's say you jumped in front of a bullet for me. And then I told you that you were a burden to my life and I didn't want you around. (laughs) That what would, would just you that's just not what would be your reaction you you'd be like you couldn't you couldn't put words on it like it just wouldn't make sense at all right yeah well and that's your emotions what happens is is they're jumping in front of the bullet and then you're saying i don't want you here <laughs> <laughs> wow that really opened it up for me understanding this today and, and, and that's, and then we go to war with ourselves because they're saying, well, I did this for you and I helped and I was there and we saved you. Look, we we'll look at the result. We did it. We were safe. What are you mad about? And then we tell them they're a burden. And that wants to prove to you even more that. Mm-hmm. Just like in a fight, you know, you start to yell, you start to scream, you distance yourself because you're not in connection. You're not in fluidity. And then it keeps you stuck in your current self. Mm-hmm. And whenever you go after your goals, that's just going to come up. And you're just going to do this ever-ending self-sabotage loop. Mm-hmm. And so the part where we want to be able to understand is that we want to go in and figure out the parts. And there's a lot of different parts. And, and understanding this as well is there's primary emotions, like we talked about last week, and then there's secondary emotions. Secondary emotions want to protect us, wants to protect the primary emotions. They're the ones that are out there ready to go to battle. That's your anxiety. That's your anger. That's your depression. They're the ones that are willing to put themselves at the forefront for you. There's a lot of energy there. The front line. Yeah. And then you have your primary emotions, joy and peace and shame. and Right? Like these are ones where you're vulnerable. It's like, I'm so happy around you. Please don't like, don't hurt me. Right. Right. You know, you, you bring so much peace to my life. I don't want you to go anywhere. And so we want to go in and understand these front lines and we want to understand our joy and truly get to know them. Because like I said, they have a personality and some of them don't even like each other. When you really dive in and you start working with people, this may sound a little wacky, but you can actually have a full long conversation with the two inside of your body. Like I can talk to anger and I can talk to joy and they may not like each other. Just like in the movie inside out, joy did not like sadness. 
Sadness was a burden to Joy. But by the end of the movie, she understood that sadness had her role and that she was needed inside of the system. And that's where they were able to come together and create a very happy um, girl as a whole. And that's where you got to go in and understand them and get them to talk and to and to see who doesn't like who and how they're manifesting that and why they act the way they do and to figure out their purpose. Because usually when you look at it, they're very pure. I got to watch that movie and it helps. It really does help your understanding of all this, right? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Because we want to understand that inner dialogue. And, and when you really go in and work through them, the biggest thing that you're looking for them to understand is that they are safe, that they are witnessed and understood that you love and care about well, them. You're safe as well. So they don't feel the need to jump. Yeah. Jump and take the bullet. Like, hey, I understand that I'm angry right now. But, hey, anger, I got this. I can handle this. Thanks for being there. Thanks for being there. Show them gratitude. It's a great insight. Because they want they want to let you know that they feel witnessed and understood. Like, hey, I'm grateful that you came to, to help me. But I don't need you right now. You know, it's like, for example, so I have a German Shepherd dog, okay? My German Shepherd dog is naturally, in the breed, they want to protect their owners. They want to protect everybody around them. That's their purpose. And so a lot of times they can mistake certain situations and bite people that they shouldn't because they're trying to do it in the name of protecting you, which makes you love your dog a whole lot because you know, I know Zeus has my back in any situation. But when I'm training him, when I'm working with him one-on-one, my goal is to let him know that, hey, I'm going to protect you so you don't need to protect me. And the way that I do that is by letting, like showing him in certain situations. If there's a, a situation where he gets anxious, I will step in front of his face and let him sit down so he knows, hey, Brock's got me. I don't need distress. I don't need to protect him. He's going to protect me. And when I can do that, he calms down. And he's able to relax and he's able to enjoy his life without feeling like he's the protector. And as long as I can take away that anxiety and frustration out of him and he looks at me to protect him, he's a much happier dog. Hmm. That's an interesting point. And I mean, it would also probably be stretching the boundaries of what he feels like he has to protect too, right? Because there's probably some situations that you might want him to protect you. But it's stretching those boundaries, knowing when to turn on that protect mode and when to not. Exactly. And so another piece to it is you want to also show compassion to your own history. So when you're looking at yourself from the past, you want to be able to show compassion to that little girl or that little boy that experienced that difficulty and that trauma or that hard situation where your parents were mad at you or you had that fight at school or you were embarrassed. Show compassion. Then you grab them by the hand and help them walk through the stages of getting organized and becoming and maturing and growing to handle situations. You'll very literally do that with them. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, today, that, that bullet example, taking the bullet and then shaming them for it, like that really, it kind of brought it home for me, kind of understanding what, what they're doing there. And the purpose they're trying to serve. And it's really in benefit for of you. They are just 
it's just perceived wrong, right? Our emotions are just perceiving our current experience from, you know, past. It, it just, it brought a lot of perspective to me today. So thanks for, for shining that light. I, I really like that example. And I hope, I'm sure everyone listening got a really, a lot of insight and, and clarity on kind of what's going on in our internal systems there. Yep. So when you're looking at your emotions, show them compassion, teach them calmness, and grow confidence. And the more that you can do that, you're going to have a very healthy relationship with yourself. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in today. Anything else, Brock? If you guys need help, reach out for support, whether it be me or somebody else. If you're having a hard time comprehending everything, I know there was a lot to unpack today, and there is a lot more than what we talked about today. Okay, this is just to give you guys a basic understanding of what's going on inside of you. And so if you have any questions, reach out. We're happy to answer them. And um, if you need any support, reach out to me or Cam. We're here for you. All right. See you next Wednesday.